questions like, what are we doing here? Where are we going? Are we going to have a building anytime soon outside of the movie theater? The answer to all of those things we talked about on Vision Sunday. And um, over the next four weeks, we're really going to unpack that and try to build our momentum, grow momentum into Easter Sunday, because I believe that it is our calling. It is our mission to see a lot of people's lives changed. And so we're going to be talking about not just the vision, which to me is the why, we're going to be talking about the how. Okay, Pastor Sean, what does that mean? What do we do? Give me some marching orders. So the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about marching orders. We're going to be talking about how do we glow? How do we take this message, the light that Jesus has put on the inside of us, and take it into the darkest places, the darkest lives, the darkest families, the darkest homes? How do we bring that light and let it shine and see someone's life change? Maybe there are people in your life that you would love to see their lives change. And I believe that God's given us an incredible strategy to work together to, for the life of the church to make a huge impact in our community. And um, so we're going to dive right in. Y'all ready? Okay, some of y'all are ready. Okay. <laughs> How many of you guys know what the Great Commission is? So this is what our vision is built around, really, like, Jesus was with the disciples. He said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go, but you have a job to do still. He said, you've been uh, learning to minister. You've been sent out. You've been seeing lives transformed. You see miracles happen. And now I'm going to send you to even more. Everybody say even more. Okay, y'all better stay with me. How many of y'all got your notes too? You need notes. We need all the, all the Christian people with notes. We need all the, the Jesus people with notes. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This is really Jesus' marching orders to the church. Go, therefore, and make disciples of what nations? Of all nations. That's a big number, y'all. That's a big, that's, that's more. So, Matt, whatever you think our mission is, just think more. Whatever you think we're called to right here, hey, we're going to reach some people. No, he said, all nations, all people, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So my translation to what Jesus is telling the disciples here is really simple. Like, hey, what you've done with me over the last few years is great. Like, we've accomplished a lot. Um, we've been doing some great things. We've seen cities turn around. We've seen, like, some amazing things happen, but think bigger. Like, you've been doing pretty good, but think bigger. You've done awesome things. You came to church. You got your family turned around. You, you saw someone's life change, but think bigger. So Jesus, when he gives them his mission, this great commission, what he's trying to do, I think, is this idea that, hey, step back a little bit, zoom out, think bigger. There's a bigger picture. Like, expand your, your thoughts, expand your vision, expand your your mission. There are a ton of people out in the world. There are a lot of people around you. And if I start, the longer I go talking about the people in the world, there's names coming to your mind. You're thinking, I know somebody who needs God. I know somebody who needs the answer that I have. I know someone like that, Pastor Sean. There are people who know they need something. I'm not talking about the people who just, they don't care what you have to say about. They're, they're just living their life and they're 100% happy. 100% satisfied. Where I go, there, there's not very many people like that. The people I talk to, most of the people I talk to are not satisfied. They're very unsatisfied. 
very unfulfilled. They're looking for the next thing to fill this void, this thing that this emptiness, this unfulfilled space in their heart and in their life. They're looking for that thing that's going to fill it. But can I tell you that the next big thing, that idea that there's a next big thing that can fulfill you, that's a scam. That's a scam. Because nothing can, there's only one thing that can fill that space. And so all those people who are out there looking, all, all those people who are out there trying to fill a need, they're being scammed. Have you ever been scammed before? I've been scammed a lot of times. I'll admit to it. <laughs> but, so, but after I realize that I've been scammed, I decide I'm not going to let that happen to me again. I've been tricked. It's not a good feeling. Our church used to have a thrift store connected, and we would have... Uh, donation boxes out front where people would drop stuff in and it was my job to kind of keep the sometimes the locks would be broken or the doors would be I was my job to kind of keep up with the donation box and then take all the stuff out of it bring it inside we'd sort it out and figure out who we could help with it but I'm telling you every now and then I would see hey somebody's stealing something from these boxes somebody's taking stuff from me we'll give it to them but don't steal it and so I decided one day I'm going to come in early because usually by the time I got there, someone had already taken, ripped open all the bags. I'm going to come in early and see if I can catch this person so we can see if we can help them and let them stop stealing. So I pulled up early, about 20 minutes early, and sure enough, there was somebody out there, a lady. She had pulled her car up right beside the stuff, and she was just kind of working. I walked up on her as confident as I could be, a young pastor, just a young man. I'll admit I was young. And you know what? She did something that I didn't know at the time. She's just loading bags into her car. But as soon as I got close, she started taking the same bag and loading it back. And she said, I'm making a donation. <laughs> I said, okay, good. Have you seen who's been stealing stuff? So we start automatically, I fall for it. I was young, I'm telling you. I, was, I got scammed there for a little bit. And then I realized that the more I started looking for who is stealing stuff, I started realizing everybody, everybody did the same thing. As soon as I got close, they start unloading their car and pretending like they were making this donation. They go from a thief to a hero. <laughs> it's a good scam, I'll say that. And one day, I got there a little bit early, and there's a lady there. And she started in the same thing, but as she started trying to explain herself, all of a sudden her little kid, who looks like he's about seven years old, pops his head up out of the box. He's inside the donation box pushing stuff out. I thought, okay, this is, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to listen to it this time. You got to go, lady. But isn't it this weird feeling and this bad feeling when you realize that you've been scammed you realize that you've been sold something or told something that was never true you feel like man i hate being taken advantage of I, and we try to learn from it but there's a ton there's a whole world out there guys there's a whole world of people that we talk with every day we live with that are being scammed and told that your life can be fulfilled by something that it will never be fulfilled by and they look for the next big thing and they look for the next big thing. I remember years ago, there was an interview with Tom Brady, who's a superstar quarterback. And he's been in the news this week. But not only is he a superstar, but he was dating and married a supermodel. He's got how many hundreds of millions of dollars and won Super Bowl rings. And yet in this interview 
with 60 Minutes, he starts in this idea that I thought something's missing. I want you all to watch this. It's easy. I mean, you get up and you come in here and you're not that it's easy to work hard. Not that it's easy to show up every day and do the job, but you're focused. You know, you, you've got a goal. You've got something you're trying to accomplish. And when that's done, you don't have 80,000 people screaming your name. I mean, what's it going to be? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've heard a lot about astronauts who go to the moon and come back and they're so depressed because there's nothing they can do in their lives that ever can fulfill them the way that that does. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is, me, I thank God. It's gotta be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it, I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew, I wish I knew. That's very telling, right? We think people have so, that we think that the people who have everything, they must be fulfilled. But I'm telling you, the struggle is universal. That we try to fill this space that can only be filled by one thing. And the most amazing, pe- the, the most amazing part, everybody. Are y'all with me? The most amazing part is that we have the answer. That Relate has the answer. That our church, the body of Christ, we have this answer to give people, and yet we sit here every Sunday morning, and yay, we're going to sing and wave and clap our hands and just, I got fulfilled. I, I got everything we need, but what about the mission? What about the rest of the world? Proverbs twenty-seven twenty says this, human desires are like the world of the dead. There is always room for more. We're always looking for that next big thing. So here's my challenge and my hope for us, Relate, is that we the people of this church, of this body, we can take that message, the light that's in us, and take it into the darkness and let it shine. And do it intentionally. Don't sit back, lay back, enjoy this time. Try to recover from a pandemic and just take a deep breath. Wipe our... Oh, okay. Hopefully things are going to be getting better soon. Guys, if we're so distracted by what's going on in the world that we forget about our mission. So I'm going to remind you. That's what this series is about. I'm going to remind you real quick. Our vision overall, here's why we're here. Here's why we exist. We exist to make life-giving relationships that lead people to know and follow Jesus Christ. So not only do we want people to know God, we want them to have their life changed by him, fulfilled by him, to live a life that makes a difference so that they go from just existing to realizing that, hey, I have a part to play also. So how do we do that? How do we start to do that? Well, I'm just going to tell you in as brief amount of time as I can, it's going to go real quick, that this church, our programming, our Sunday mornings, our everything is built around accomplishing this vision. So there's a couple of ways that we do that on Sunday mornings. We want people to know God. We want them to find freedom. That happens at small groups. We want them to discover their purpose. That happens at growth track. And we want them to turn their life back around and make a difference, to complete that life cycle of going from being someone who needs to know God to being someone who can 
use their life for the kingdom of God to make a difference on the dream team, as a part of the team. Let's get together and do it. And here, here I think is when we look at the Great Commission, like Jesus said, we're doing all of this right now. Every Sunday we show up, the dream team's rocking and rolling. We got small groups happening every week all over the city. We got growth track happening every week. But just like Jesus told the disciples, hey, you did a great job. You're doing a great job, but think bigger. Go into all the nations, all the people, all the neighborhoods. Your block and the block behind you and the apartments that are down the street. Let's go find all the people. So I want to show you really quick. Today's message is, is in, entitled Think Bigger. And a part of thinking bigger is stretching our thoughts, stretching our, our vision, stretching one, one element of that is our faith and our ability to not just see what's not there, see what we, we've done good, but how am I going to think bigger? How am I going to see bigger? How am I going to see what we haven't done yet? And that takes faith. So we need bigger faith. And so I want to talk about faith for just a second, and I hope that you'll dig in. Today, we're going to take notes. Today, we're going to, to challenge ourselves to have bigger faith, to do more for the kingdom of God. And so here, Jesus is talking. It, this, this is a really incredible uh, contrast we're going to see. When Jesus talks about faith, Jesus is getting ready to, to start miracles. He's doing miracles. He's traveling from town to town, but when he comes to his hometown, Something weird happens. Something crazy happens because the people of his hometown just think of him and they say, isn't that Jesus? Isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't like, he's just a guy. They, so they can't think bigger. They're, they're thinking very small. And watch what, watch what happens in Mark chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So there was some miracles happening, but very small. It says that he, that's Jesus, was amazed at their lack of faith. Can you read that out? Can you say that with me? He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was amazed that they had such little faith. Look, I'm doing miracles. God's trying to give you an answer. God's trying to fill the need that's in this city. And they, all they could say was, isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't he just a carpenter, this guy that we, we've been knowing him since he was a little kid? But Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Watch what happens in another story. In Luke chapter 7, there's a centurion, a soldier, that has a sick servant. And the centurion comes to Jesus, and he wants Jesus to heal him. And Jesus says, well, take, him, take me to him. And the centurion says, no, I understand authority. If you'll just say the word, I believe he'll be healed. You don't even have to come. And when Jesus heard this in verse 9, he was amazed at him. Same word again. But not at his lack of faith. He says he was, he was amazed at him and turning, turning the crowd, follow him. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. It's enough for Jesus to turn around and make it a teaching moment. He turns around to the crowd and says, y'all pay attention because I haven't seen. I'm amazed at such great faith. That's amazing that Jesus is amazed at first their lack of faith and then the great faith. I wonder if Jesus was in this room today looking at us, if he would be amazed at our lack of faith or if he would be amazed 
at such great faith. And I wonder if Jesus came to your house this week, what would he be amazed at? Would it be the fact that, hmm, I'm doing an okay job? If I asked you what, hey, where's your faith at? Most, a lot of people would just say, my faith is, I go to church on Sundays. But is that your faith working? So my question to you is, how big is your faith? If we could measure your faith, based on what you've prayed for this week, uh uh-oh, we're going to start getting real personal for just a second, then we'll move on, so y'all stay with me. (laughs) Based on what you prayed for this week, based on what what you're believing God for this week, how big is your faith? Well, I don't. How about the last up at small group this week we asked, does anybody have a prayer request? Anybody need something they need prayer for? And so we go all the way around the room and everybody has something. Well, I need this and I need this and some things that we don't want to talk about because it's sensitive. And what's that thing that you're believing and standing for and saying, God, I need you to show up in this space. So why don't you grade yourself on a scale of one to 10? Are you believing for something impossible? Are you believing for something amazing? Are you believing for something small and just, oh, well, I, uh, I was hoping for a front row parking spot when I got to HEB, and so, God, if you could just make that so I don't have to walk too far, or I was hoping that they'd be able to have my spicy chicken sandwich done really fast at Chick-fil-A so that I could get in and get out, get back to work. Guys, I can tell you that's very low. <laughs> that's low on the faith scale. Because those are things that we don't need God to do. We'd like for God to make our life a little easier and a little bit better, but what are we believing God for saying, okay, God, if you could, this is probably impossible. (laughs) But God, if you could do this, if you could just let me see my dad saved, if you could let me see my wife, my husband saved, if you can, God, if you could save our marriage, God, if you could reach my brother's, What, what is that thing? God, if you could help us build a church. God, if you could just get help us raise a million dollars. God, if you could help us find a home. God, if you could help me reach the family down the street that I've been talking to. What is it that you're willing? Sometimes people say you bite off more than you can chew, but if you're not biting off anything, maybe you're not believing God for enough. So in the time that I have left, I want to talk to you about faith. And while I'm talking, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some things that you need to know about faith. But while I'm talking, I'm hoping that sometime over the next 15 or 20 minutes, you're making a decision. Okay, I'm going to believe God for this. This is, this is where I'm going to put my faith. This is how we're going to put our faith together as a church, as a team, to believe God for something incredible. The first thing you need to know about faith is this, that you can't play it safe and please God. You can't sit back and say, well, when I I have a, a need, then I'll believe for it. That's playing it safe. Hebrews 11, 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not just it's impossible to be a Christian, it's impossible to be, if you want to please God, it requires that we activate our faith and use our faith. God wants us to do more than take just, just take little, step, little steps of growth. 
Okay, we'll take a step, take another step. But at some point, you got to take a step of faith. Something, do something that doesn't just require you to rearrange your schedule, but it requires you to rearrange your ability to believe God for something. If you can accomplish the goal on your own, you don't really need God, do you? If you can accomplish your goals all by yourself, your God's too small. Sometimes doing things for God, sometimes walking by faith requires that you go through a scary season where you're like, this really doesn't, like, I'm invested in this, but God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble. You can't play it safe. This week I was thinking as we were (laughs) playing paintball, and I was just realizing, man, young people like me and all these young people around me, we just start... We do all these crazy things, and I end up getting hurt because I'm 43 or 42 years old. But I thought I was thinking back when I was a youth pastor, and we took the youth to a ropes course, and we had to climb up this pole, and by the time I got to the top of the pole, I thought, I'm going to show these kids that I can do anything they can do. <laughs> so I'm 20, 25 feet up in the air. I've got a harness on, but... They said I had to climb to the top of the pole and then stand on top of the pole that's only about a foot wide at the top or or 10 or 12 inches at the top circle. Stand on top of it and then jump and grab a swing. Guys, that was scary. And the, the pole was high enough to be moving a little bit. I thought I was in trouble. The only thing that made me jump was I thought... I cannot say what I've already said to all these people down here and then not do it. (laughs) It was my own pride, and I'm willing to admit that. I had to do it out of pride. That's not the right motivation, but... But that moment where you... where where If you've ever done that, you have to take a leap of faith. Like, I'm not sure I can actually reach that. But I just have to jump, and then hopefully they catch me. (laughs) If you're not scared every now and then, then you're not living by faith. If you're not doing something that scares you a little bit, we are such a safe people. We try to stay in the security and the safety of, oh, as long as I got enough money, as long as I got... At some point, you're going to have to do something that challenges your pride, that challenges the people around you, that challenges your ability to hang on to... Did I actually hear from God? Peter walked on the water. Y'all know the story where, where Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter sees him and steps out of the boat. What happens to Peter? He walks on water, and then the, he starts to sink. A lot of people would call that a failure. But you know what I call a failure? I call a failure the other 11 disciples that never got out of the boat. Because Jesus put his, took his eyes off of Jesus and started sinking, but he put them right back on Jesus and then got up, got back in the boat. But there was a handful of other disciples that never, they couldn't even get out of the boat. God's faithful, and he's patient with us. But you can never let the fear of failure stop you from taking a step of faith. And part of living by faith, part of doing something for God is us deciding, okay, God, how do I fit into this vision? How do I fit into this program? And how do I, by faith, step out and do something that challenges me a little bit? Number two, if you have a guarantee, 
you don't have faith. If I was standing on top of that, on top of that leap of faith on the ropes course and they said, hey, no matter what, you're going to reach the pole. You're going to be fine. In fact, I can come up there with you and, and, I, and I'll help you. Like if I had that kind of system and that kind of support and that kind of guarantee, it wasn't really faith, was it? It was just nerves, a little bit of nerves. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us an assurance about things what? It gives us an assurance of things that we can't see. That means there's no guarantee. I don't actually, I can't guarantee that where we're going, we're going to get there, but I can't trust God. I can believe God that he's going to show up for my family. He's going to show up for my marriage. He's going to show up for my kids. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, Hebrew 11, 8, talks about Abraham. Why is he my favorite? I love that he walks by faith and he does this simple thing. It seems simple. It wasn't easy, but it was simple. God says, go that way. I want you to leave where you are. So Abraham, when called to go to the place he could, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. God said, hey, you got to leave here and I'm going to show you where you're going. To me, that's like the, this perfect picture of what faith looks like for us. God says, I want you to go that way. Well, God, what's, what's going to happen when I get there? Nope, you don't get to know that yet. That's part two. You have to do part one first, then you can know part two. Just take, you got to take the first step, and then once you take the first step, I'll show you what the next step is. It's the most scary thing that God does. He'll only give us one step at a time usually. Sometimes I want to just say, God, just show me two or three steps. He says, no, I want you to trust me. It seems backwards. seems like, please, God, just show us two steps. How many of you ever, um, maybe now, maybe recently, maybe a long time ago, for me it's been 23 years, 24 years. No, more than that. I've been married for 23 years. Angela and I started dating. We dated for four years when we were 15 or 16. And uh, 15 and 16. But it's not often, especially as a teenager, that you just go up and ask a girl out. There's other, there's like this, there's steps that, that are involved. So rather than just going up and asking someone, hey, will you be my girlfriend? What do you do? You send your friend over there and you try to send a note. You try to get some guarantees. You try to build up. Just ask if they just, if I was going to ask, would you be interested? <laughs> the hypotheticals, right? We try to fill in all the spaces. So when we finally ask the question, we already know what the answer is. But sometimes whenever you're going to ask a girl out, you just have to ask and you have to put yourself out there and you might crash and burn. Thank God I didn't. Sometimes with faith, we ask this question, and there's a chance that we might not make it. We don't know. This might not work. But I'm going to trust God and find out. When we started this church, I thought, okay, God, we'll go this way. I don't know. <laughs> I hope. I have an assurance of what I can't see yet, but I have no guarantees. If you start a small group, you have no guarantees that someone's going to show up on the first day. We've had a lot of people who start a small group and that nobody shows up the first time, first, first season, 
like let's say six weeks go by, no one shows up. They just decide, well, I guess that was not good. But you know what? They try again the second, they make some adjustments, and then boom, they have the biggest small group of everybody. I can tell you that if you want to have a big small group, there's one secret, and just all you have to do is have a lot of food. <laughs> there you go. That's for free. If you want to do a small group, that's not a guarantee, but it's a pretty good one. If you want to join the dream team, well, I don't know if I have enough time. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'll be able to do the job they asked me to do. I don't know if I can help with kids. I don't know how to be in the nursery. I don't know how to. There's no guarantees, but you've got to step out by faith. We decided that, hey, we're going to raise money, and we're going to have a building. We're going to have a home. There's no guarantees for that, but we're believing God and trusting God, and we're going to step out and take our first step, and then he's going to show us the next step. As long as you, don't, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. You can have faith, and you can have control, but you can't have both. At some point, you have to let God have control and just decide, okay, God, you're in control. I'm going to just trust you, but you can't have both. And so to take, to step toward your destiny, you have to step away from your security. You have to step away from the thing that you're holding on to that you think, well, God's going to answer my prayer, but until then, I'm going to go ahead and hang on to this security blanket that I have. Number three, and we're going to close with this one. In fact, I'm going to invite the band to join me back up on stage. Faith is taking action even if you don't fully understand. A lot, of the, a lot of these three things are kind of dancing around the same idea that faith requires you to do something that makes you uncomfortable. Growing in faith is uncomfortable. It's this thing that says, okay, I got to leave this, this comfort zone. I got to leave this space that I understand and go somewhere that I don't have all the answers. You see, James chapter 2 verse 14 talks about Abraham again. This man who left his home, this man who did what God asked him to do, even when it didn't make sense, it says, you see, his faith and his actions worked together. His faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Can you say that out loud? His actions made his faith complete. When it comes to you and I, we have to let our actions make our faith complete. Otherwise, we have an incomplete faith or an almost faith. We have this thing that looks like faith because we go to church and we sing about God and we say we trust God and we love God and we, we're living for God, but we're not actually acting on our faith. And so our faith is incomplete. Can I tell you that the world is not going to be saved and transformed and turned around and brought to Jesus by an incomplete faith? It's not going to accident. You're, the people that you know and love that need God, they're not going to accidentally get saved. Or just by, hey, when the right conversation happens, then maybe we'll be able to bring them to church. And no, it's going to happen because you put a plan together. It's because you let God put a vision, a picture in your mind of your family member coming to church, singing about God, in love with Jesus, their life being changed when that starts to happen. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, neighbors, the people that you love. And we have to put our faith in action. So here's the challenge. The challenge is to think bigger. The challenge is to 
believe bigger, to let our faith grow, to let our faith be bigger. Can we bring the music down just a little bit? We're going to bring the music down just a little bit. Each week in this series, we're going to give you guys something to take home. So this week, if you would take one of these with you, we want you to put this yard sign. I've got the the stand back here. Take this yard sign, put it in your yard, and when your neighbors walk by and any when your friends come over, they'll be able to see the yard sign. And we're going to invite people to church this Easter. We're going to believe that this is one step out of many that will bring people into a place, not just that they can have church with us and sing with us and worship God, but that they'll be able to sit down in a seat, hear the message of the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, and make a decision that will change their life. That's what the yard sign's about. It's not about just trying to get more people in the room. It's about trying to get more people to say that prayer, to make it a, a dedication of their life to God. So this last 15 minutes, I've, been, I've challenged you, what, what is that step of faith that you're going to take? Maybe it's putting a yard sign up. Maybe it's deciding that, hey, I'm going to go to church for every week in this series. I'm going to let my kids be in kids' church every week for a month. I'm going to start giving. Maybe it's to start tithing. Maybe you don't know what your finances look like if they belong to God, but if you'll let Him put a picture in your mind, you can start walking toward it. Maybe it's to start serving. Maybe it's, I'm going to go to growth track. Starts in two weeks. Starts all the way over. You can start from one. What does that look like? I don't know, but if you want to join the team, you got to let God put an in. Well, I don't know, Pastor Sean. I've never really been that kind of person. What if He changed the kind of person you are? What if God says, I want to make you into a new person? Maybe you've never seen yourself as a greeter. We need greeters. We need, the, we need more people on the team because I believe that God is sent. Every week he is sending more people. But I believe he's going to send a huge crowd of people. And we got to be ready for it. This team, you and me, I'm not making a difference. I'm not making drawing a line between the the dream team and the church. I'm drawing a line between the people who are not in the church and the people who are in the church, the people who know God. Maybe it's joining the youth team or the kids team or the nursery team or serving somewhere to let your life make a difference. But here's the challenge, believing God for impossible things. Like, let's let this be our time to believe God for impossible things. We're going to worship together, and then I want you to just pour out your heart at worship. Would you stand up on your feet? Let's just believe God for what will God do. If you'll just step out by faith, if you'll just believe Him for big things and challenge yourself to, to think bigger, let's worship.
Amen. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to close. God, today I thank you for working in this place, working in our hearts. Help us to have more faith, to do more for your kingdom, that your work in us, that your mission in us would come alive, that we wouldn't stand reserved at the sidelines of the work of the kingdom of God, but we would step in, all in, and do your work. That we would join the team to see our families transform, this community, our city, and our state. That this world, God, would be transformed by people who are willing to step up to faith and do the work of the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that you just didn't give us a commission, but you gave us the great commission. So help us to dream big. Help us to think big. Help us to live with huge faith, believing that you're going to show up even though we're uncomfortable, that you're going to show up even though we don't have an assurance or a guarantee that we're going to be safe. But we trust you, God, to walk with us. Stretch us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we leave today, I want to give an opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never given your heart to God, if I was to walk into your room at home, if I was to walk up right next to you and ask you, do you know God? Does he know you? Is your name written in that book? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life, they say. That's what the scripture tells us. Because if you don't know God, then you have no assurance. But if you know God, when you give your life to Him, we have a great assurance that when we leave this place, we'll spend eternity with Him. So today, if you have never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to say that prayer and start the first step of a walk of faith, a lifetime filled with steps of faith. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and those who are at home as well, if you've never said that prayer and you're ready to start that life of faith today, would you just raise your hand? Nobody, nobody looking around, and you don't have to come forward or be embarrassed. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together, and let's commit our lives to God. Would you say this out loud? God, today, I surrender all. I give you my life, I give you my future, I give you my family, I give you my heart, I give you everything. Come into my life and save me. Be my Savior, be my Lord, and I surrender control to you. Forgive me of my sin and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for those who said that prayer. I'm proud of you. I love you. And I'm excited to take